It's about trusting, ooh, that I can do the job justice, just like a man. Walk in the room like there's nothing to prove. You washed up. Sorry? <laughs> Welcome to the island of discarded women, my friend. I used to be somebody. Are you that woman on the radio? Your island job is peladora de papas. Uh, sorry, what? Potato peeler. 87% match for uh, your skills. Okay, that's not... Anyway, what is the second best match then? Host of the island podcast. Are you kidding me? No, no, see, that's me. That That's perfect for me. It's about trusting, ooh, that I can do the job justice, just like a man. Walk in the room like there's nothing to prove. When you trust me, I will trust you. When you trust me, then I will trust you. Yes. No, no, no. That'll work. That'll work great, oh. don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then after that, we'll go into our new piece. Right. Okay, great, Well, oh, that great, sounds okay. so good. I'm sorry. I didn't oh, mean to interrupt. No, no, no. <laughs> we're just, we're finishing up our sound check tonight. Yeah, tonight. hi, Zippy. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Huge fan. <laughs> I love that one where you're like, oh, darling, you can fly. Whatever. I can't sing like you, but oh, I love it. Great. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Thank you. I'll see you later tonight after the show, right? Yes. Yeah. I'll be there. Hey, Shannon. <laughs> oh, hi, Dave. Hey. Hi. Are you filling in for Regina tonight? Yeah, she's covering a few shifts at the Anger Hut. Wait. Yes. Yeah. She's covering for me. I'm taking the night off. Oh, good for you. <laughs> wine? Yes, please. I would love some wine. Do you have a cab? Of course I do. <laughs> oh, you know, that sounds really good. I'll have one, too. Coming right up. So, long day at the Anger Hut? Oh, long day, long week Yeah. in the world. Right. I have your wines here, lady. Wow, that was oh. fast. Thank you. Okay, yes, great. thank I, you. I Here's to a glass of wine after a long week. Yes. yes. Cheers. <laughs> this wine is good. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to admit, when I arrived on the island, I sort mm-hmm. of wondered about the wine. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. We have... We have a good selection, thanks to the drone drop, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, here's yeah. to the drone drop! Yes! Yes! <laughs> so, let's hear about this week of yours, yeah? Oh, that, that's, that's okay. No, no, that's no, 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 you're at the wine bar. Yeah. The perfect place to spill your guts. Yeah, here, you know? here, okay, on, all right, here we go. All right, well, you know why I'm here, right, on the island? Uh, well, only sort of. No. Oh, okay. Well, see, all right. I was discarded by my family after the 2016 election. Wait, what? Wait, what? what? Why? Now, it all started pretty mildly, you know, with, hey, Shannon's here. You know, she's the one who's going to vote for that criminal Hillary Clinton. And honestly, whatever. We never voted the same, so who cares? But now, now it's... Yeah, it's, uh, it's personal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the stakes are higher now, you know? I can't yeah. just let it slide, change the subject, not talk about politics. It's different now. And they come at me. Hmm. You know, that divide in our nation is perfectly represented in my family. So that's fun. Oh, kind so of yeah. ruins Thanksgiving. Oh. What's interesting, and well, by interesting, I mean exhausting, mm, is yeah. that I feel like I'm constantly being baited, you know? Like, they want to fight, and that's the last thing I want. Well, you know what my brother did? I mean, it's kind of what started this whole thing. Yeah, can I get more wine? I'm going to need more wine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. Here. Thanks. Yeah, okay. Um, my brother signed me up to be a member of the NRA. Wait, what? Are you Why? kidding me? What? Why? I know. Why? That's a good question. I, I, think, I think he thought it would be funny. 
um, that I needed to be taught a lesson <laughs> about what, I don't know. But see, shortly after the election, there was this shift between me and my family. I was always so proud that I went to college and I thought my family thought so too, but suddenly I was put down for it. Mm. You know, you know, my degree, my knowledge, the way I lived my life separated me from them and their view of the world. And the worst part was how they accused me of thinking I was better than them because yeah. I believed in certain things. Oh, yeah. That black lives matter, that children shouldn't be put in cages, yeah. that my body is my own and no one else's, mm -hmm. that climate change is real, that semi-automatic weapons with magazines that can hold hundreds of shots should be illegal. Yeah, right, totally. amen. I mean, I come from a long line of deer hunters. I mean, shoot the deer, mount it, eat the venison. I don't care. No one is after your guns. <laughs> But 34 people were killed just this week in El Paso and Dayton because there are men who can order semi-automatic weapons online with no problem. Yeah. A weapon whose only purpose is to kill mass amounts of people quickly. Anyway, the week I found out I was a member of the NRA, 49 people were shot and killed in Orlando. Do you remember that mm, one? Yes. Yep. Oh, yes. It's been a while, and there have been so many shootings since then, it's hard to keep track. And most of the victims in that shooting were also Hispanic, mm. just like El Paso. Yeah. Orlando was a big one, but within a year it became the second deadliest yeah, mass shooting right. when another gunman shot 52 people in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Anyway, my brother signed me up for a membership and I remember being so hurt and bewildered and within hours I was inundated with emails thanking me for joining, welcoming me to the family. Wow. Have you ever tried to cancel your membership from the NRA after... <laughs> Yet another mass shooting. Mm. I have. It's not easy. Wow. Far from it. I was immediately signed up for over nine different newsletters, and I had to unsubscribe from each one individually. Mm. Wow. You have unsubscribed from NRA special announcements. Mm. You have unsubscribed from Friends of NRA. You have unsubscribed from Gals with Guns. Wait, what? Mm. You have unsubscribed from NRA-ILA alerts list. You have unsubscribed from Wayne LaPierre, Chris Cox, some other guy who really likes oh. guns. I had to unsubscribe from each one, one at a time, and it took a minimum of you know, two or three times before yeah. I was successfully unsubscribed. And meanwhile, my inbox was filled with links to articles and newsletters. This newsletter is not a gun-free zone. Do you like heart-racing videos? We have reviews on the hottest guns and gear. So as I read about the victims in Orlando that week, I was receiving emails that contained video tutorials on how to protect myself if I had shot someone. Because I have a right to defend myself and my loved ones, watch this video, it would say, to discover the easy, simple way of surviving the legal aftermath of a shooting. Wow. 49 people in Orlando, and they were worried about my survival. Yeah. But I, actually, that wasn't the worst. I could click unsubscribe all I wanted, but I still had to cancel my membership. Oh, this is Deborah with the NRA membership offices. How can I help you today? Yeah, I need to cancel my membership. Okay, well, what's your membership ID? I don't know. Can you just search by my name, Shannon Custer? Sure, I can do that, but I need your membership ID. I don't know it. Well, I can fix that for you. Uh, if you know your ID, then you can take advantage of all of our no, no, programs. No, 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 you don't understand. I want my membership canceled immediately. Deborah was silent after that. She didn't speak. I mean, it was a full six seconds of dead air, and that is a long time. I just need you to cancel my membership 
keep the money, whatever, I don't care. I just don't want to be a member of the NRA. Can I ask you why you want to cancel your membership? My brother signed me up. It's a joke, something, I don't know, but I don't want it. I want my name taken off the list. I do not want to be listed as a supporter of your organization. I am disinclined to do that. I swear to you. She said that, that she was disinclined to do that. Deborah was disinclined. I don't think you're understanding me. Cancel my membership. Give it to someone else. Burn it. I don't care. But I will not stop calling you until I get this done. You will need to write a letter, explain why uh, you don't want to be a member any longer. I never wanted to be a member. The records will show that I didn't pay for my membership. But you are a member, and this is the time for us to gather and protect our Second Amendment rights. Stop, just stop. How do I cancel my membership? Well, you can't. What? Not over the phone. And how do I cancel it, Deborah? You will need to send a personal letter. A personal letter? Mm-hmm. It needs to be signed by you, and it must explain why you want to pause your membership. No, I don't want to. Mm, I don't want to pause my membership. I want to cancel my membership. And at this point, I just started shaking and crying. I mean, what was happening? I am disinclined. So okay. Uh, I am to understand that I can only cancel this membership that I never actually signed up for by writing a letter and sending it in the mail? Is that what you're saying? Yes, ma'am. Well, that is ridiculous. Where am I supposed to send this letter and to whom? You send it to the director of member services. Does this person have a name? You send it with attention to the director of member services. 11250 Waples Mill Road, Fairfax, Virginia, 22030. Can you please slow down? And you must send your letter in triplicate, and each copy must contain your member ID. Triplicate? Fine. What the hell is my member ID? And that's when Deborah hung up on me. What? Oh. I sent the letter, not once, but twice, in triplicate. What? Until it all stopped. The emails, the newsletters, the phone calls, the glossy gun magazines. It took, all told, three months. That's just weird. I know, it's weird. It's a lot. I guess I I I just don't understand why it was so contentious. Mm -hmm. I don't wear my Planned Parenthood sweatshirt to family events because I know it would upset some people. I don't... I don't post crap on their Facebook wall or forward political emails. I, I don't make donations to liberal organizations in their name, but that same courtesy isn't afforded to me. Hmm. And I, I swear to you right here, if my Aunt Beverly sends me one more meme of Trump being held by Jesus, I'm going to burn something down. Oh. So you just have to hang on until the next election? (laughs) It's only a year from now. More wine? Yes. Yes, Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, guys, let's all grab a chair and cozy up. Oh, it's good to see you all. Well, as I mentioned, uh, the first chapter of my book is going to be about our earliest female influences and the, you know, the messages and examples we absorbed from them. Right. So, okay. uh, anyone, anyone want to go first? Mo, you go first. I mean, yeah. you're the one writing the book. Oh, okay. Well, okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Well, for example. Um, in my neighborhood growing up, uh, my mom was the only mom on the block who worked a full-time office job. She was an executive for a, a national nonprofit. She traveled a ton for work. 
and she was our, our family's primary breadwinner. She also did all of our family's cooking and laundry. When, when she'd travel, she'd prep meals for us and leave them in the fridge or the freezer for us to warm up. You know, my dad was not going to be cooking meals from scratch. Uh, and then when she got home from her business trips, you know, all the laundry and dishes and cleaning that had accumulated in her absence would be right there waiting for her. Yeah, and I almost never saw her complain about any of it. You know, it was just what she did. So for my mom, having it all also meant doing it all. And I, you know, I watched that happen, and I think it influenced my ideas of marriage and motherhood well into my adulthood, and it probably played into my resistance to both. Oh, yeah. That's, That's really yeah, interesting, right. Mo. My mother didn't work outside the house. She was a glamour girl. All her friends were, too. None of them worked outside their homes, and as their kids became teenagers and less in need of their constant surveillance, they spent more and more time together, especially at our house. Oh, I remember them gathered by our pool and on hot spring days when I would come home from school, arranged like seductive sirens of Greek mythology. <laughs> Slender, tan, hair quaffed, manicured hands turning the pages of Elle and Vogue, luring me to their life. Mm. One day in particular stands out my memory. I was about 14, a total bookworm, and I had gotten home a little late from school Mother asked me where I'd been, and I explained in front of all her girlfriends that I had stayed after school to do some orgasms in the gym. Oh, my. <laughs> there was a collective gasp and then chuckling. My mother said, show me. Show me what you think an orgasm is. I folded my arms into wings, putting my hands in my armpits, thrusting my elbows back and forth. Mother nodded. Yes, we call those bust exercises. Oh, bust exercises, Nancy. Oh, Nancy. Mortified, I ran upstairs to my room and grabbed my dictionary. I was looking up orgasm when Mrs. Vandenberg walked in. She stared at me with a look so fierce, I was frozen in place. Mm. And then she spoke. You are smart, Nancy. You are so, so, so smart. Make that the thing everyone notices about you. Surround yourself with interesting people, even if they aren't friends. Expose yourself to ideas and points of view that make you uncomfortable. Don't gossip. Read voraciously. Travel everywhere and work. My God, always work. Find work that engages your brain, that puzzles you and challenges you, even keeps you awake at night thinking. Cultivate your mind, make your little egghead happy, and you will not wake up someday and realize that you are bored to tears! <laughs> and with that, she turned and walked out. Hmm. Did you take her advice? You're damn right I did. <laughs> to the letter. Oh, Nancy, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Day? Yeah. You all right? Um, yeah. It's just... This one is tough for me, you know? Like, I've been thinking about it a lot, and what I keep coming back to is that I'm surrounded by beautiful, damaged women in my family. Huh. And I'm still figuring out how that has affected me, you know? You know, like, my grandma had three husbands, you know, two of which were abusive, 
And my mother got married young, was abused, had two kids, got divorced, and remarried into a marriage she's not satisfied with. You know, my aunt, she ran away from everything. You know, she created her own being, and in return, I watched my grandma cry about her two daughters. No, one who lived with her but hated helping her, and the other who sent money but was never really there. You know, and even my stepmom, you know, she married young and got divorced and was sent back to her family. Mm. So, like, these women gave me my earliest messages about being a woman, you know, and in one of their eyes, right, a woman is supposed to have patience, speak softly, and is humble. In the other eyes, you're supposed to be conservative. You know, don't wear too much makeup, cover up, dress appropriately for the occasion. Mm-hmm. And one of their eyes, a woman is strong, opinionated, and stands up for what she wants. You know, strive to get that gold, honey, but don't forget your culture. That's who you are. And then the other, a woman is lost and hurt. And I, I just don't know what to say anymore. You know, none of these women influenced me in a way that I want to emulate. Mm. If I'm being honest, I want to be everything they're not. But I know I have every single piece of them in me, too. Yeah, I hear that, Day. Thank you. Hey, Shannon, how are you? That was beautiful. Okay, so for me, when I was a little girl, it was Gilda Radner. Oh, Oh, yeah! (laughs) Yeah, my mom used to come to my room and bring me downstairs on Saturday nights, and we would watch the first 20 minutes of SNL because I always fell asleep after that. (laughs) And later we started recording the show on our top loader VHS recorder and I would fast forward until it was a Gilda sketch. Mm. She was funny, but she was real and she could create entire scenes and be the only one on stage and it was like a gift, right? That we got to see this real thing happening. Mm. Her Judy Miller show, do you remember? She played this little girl who was just playing in her room. And I was a brownie, so I was so in. (laughs) It was a revelation to me. You know, she'd be like, what the queen doesn't know is that who's coming is the very wicked queen of Germany, Queen Doofenlupe (laughs) Stottenbordenavanosendekobotekosche. It wasn't a joke. It was just a little girl. It's what she would do in her room. And that's my favorite kind of joke, the one that isn't really a joke. So... Gilda, how many girls did she change? I mean, I hope she knew how many when she left this earth. Yeah, yeah. amen. Oh so man. who is Gilda Radner? Oh, no. Yeah. I she will help right you. Now? She no, has to be kidding right I'm now. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah sort of. Little She's bit, not kidding. Yeah. She doesn't have any idea. Um, Sylvia? Okay, well, you know, I've been thinking. There are times in life when you feel like everything is going down the hill before your eyes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, my role model, it, well, she's actually, in my life right now, it's, it's, not, it, it's something more recent. But she lives in such a constant state every day. At this moment, she can lose her job, her family, and everything she's worked so hard to build for the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. Everything can be gone anytime. I don't know about you, but I would lose my mind and run to the farthest corner where I could hide. Yeah, and and you would say that's what she would do, right? But all the contrary. She takes things in her stride. My role model cooks and does errands for people when they're sick, volunteers for those who have less. She keeps her time visiting elderly people, 
without thinking twice or asking anything in return. She's wonderful. Mm. My mentor and friend Rita is always there when I need her, you know? Mm -hmm. She's never hiding and lives life in her own terms, one day at a time, knowing that ICE can knock on her door at any moment or pay her a visit at work. And what is now will no longer be. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how she does it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that was, yeah that's Man, crazy. thank you, yeah. Sylvia. Sue, I guess oh, you're up. Okay, I'm up. Okay. Um, okay. Well, when I was five, I learned the facts of life. Well, actually, my mother, okay, this way. my mother decided it was time for my 10-year-old sister to have the talk, so I might as just tell everybody at the same time. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, just easier. So my four-year-old brother and my five-year-old self heard all of the details in all the anatomical correct, you know, words. Uh, there was no wee-wees or hoo-hahs at our house. No, 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 it was vagina and penis and a full description of what the penis does to the vagina to make babies. And I remember thinking, okay, so whatever that means. <laughs> and my older sister was, I assume, sort of weirded out by the whole thing. And all oh, while we're gathered, um, might as well tell everybody that there's no Santa either. Oh. Yeah, so that was it. All the big talks done big in one day. That was it, done, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> My, uh, my mother was no-nonsense. She was also silly. She loved to laugh. She was full of compassion. She was very creative, incredibly, incredibly gregarious. And she struggled daily with a very, very painful chronic illness. Hmm. At 29, she was diagnosed excuse me, with rheumatoid arthritis and became very crippled by it, crippled, the word we used in those days, for the rest of her 71 years. And yet from her crutches and her wheelchairs, she persevered with joy and with grace and with incredible optimism. Even on those days when she couldn't get out of bed, mm. I grew up with my mother celebrating every single sunny day in Tucson, Arizona, <laughs> where it is sunny 367 days of the year. Never being daunted by what seemed too hard or too painful. No wallowing here, none. Mm. She just kept moving forward through mm -hmm. it all. And how could I not be inspired by her? And yet when I was put out to pasture a few years ago, I had a really hard time finding that spirit of perseverance that I know is in my DNA. I mean, just for a time, I just... I completely lost sight of it, hmm. which really, really surprised me. Yeah. Do, do you feel like you've found it again? Well, I finally just got sick of feeling stuck mm -hmm. and finally realized I am my mother's daughter. We keep moving forward no matter what. Yeah. And I can hear her now, and she's saying, oh, what are you telling them all that for? <laughs> and what's wrong with penis and vagina? That's what they're called. <laughs> she's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Thank you, Sue. Thank you for sharing that. Your mother sounds like an incredible woman. Yeah, thank you, all of you. That was amazing. I think uh, this chapter is going to be pretty darn incredible. I think it is. I can't wait to read it. Absolutely. It's about trusting, ooh, that I can Do the job justice, just like a man Walk in the room 
there's nothing to prove when you trust me then i will trust you when you trust me then i will trust you zippy lasky everyone gosh i i just love that song thank you so much zippy all right everyone it's time now for the open mic Woo! All right, tonight at the open mic, we have Sue and Zippy. So take it away. Oh, thank you, thank you, Day, thank you. Well, um, there's something that's been bothering me for a really, really long time now, and I think we finally figured it out. Do up do up do up do wop up do up do up Dear Mitch, now I know all you older white guys in power are not all named Mitch, but Lindsay was also a girl's name, so for the sake of ease and clarity, I'm just going to call you all Mitch for right now, okay? Great. So dear Mitch, I know life is really, really hard for you right now and that you are scared, scared out of your minds, and I am so sorry. I mean, I really, really am. I mean, after thousands and thousands and thousands of years, which is a really long time, you're seeing your grip on power slowly, slowly slipping away, and you're terrified. I get it. I totally get that this is a really, really frightening time for you. Of course it is, of course. Yes. Goodbye now, baby. It's time I move on. We've been dragging our feet for much too long, and I'm tired of singing this same old sad song. You know what this reminds me of, Mitch? When I was in the second grade, a girl in my class got stuck hanging from the top bar in the middle of the jungle gym. Somehow she got up there, but she couldn't get down. And she was just hanging onto the bar with both of her little hands just as hard as she could. And she was so panicked. You could just, you could see it in her eyes. And I bet that's how it feels for you right now, Mitch. You're just holding to that top bar of the jungle gym just as hard as you can because letting go of the bar isn't an option, right? I mean, you fall, right? But how hard? Who knows? So you just keep hanging on for dear life. But here's the thing, Mitch. As much as you're freaked out about what life would be like without having all the power you've always had, you can't hold on to the bar forever. You just can't. Your arms are already losing circulation which I think is why you're saying all those crazy things, <laughs> you know, about women being host bodies. Mitch, your mom was a host body? I don't think so. Or when you said those smart women needed to go back to their countries, which is here. I mean, that was kind of goofy, you know. Or the nutty things that you're doing. I mean, you're like, you're stealing children from their parents and you're giving drunk boys lifetime appointments and you're letting foreign governments run our elections. I mean, come on, that's all weird, out-of-body stuff, right, Mitch? Clearly, there is a lack of circulation happening here. Huh? Yeah. Take the leap, darling, let go of the bar. I know you're scared of falling, I promise. 
control over everyone very soon. Oops, I'm sorry. That's making you tighten your grip on that jungle gym bar, isn't it? Yeah. But it's just time, okay? It's just time to, to take off your crown and turn in your cape and shred your membership card and give up your keys. It's just time, Mitch, to let go of the bar. Just let it go. You'll, you'll fall a little bit, not far. You'll be fine. You'll be just fine. Really. Goodbye now, baby. It's time I move on. We've been dragging our feet for much too long. And I'm tired of singing this same old sad song. Appreciate some of the great things you've done. Of course I do. Heck, some of my best friends are older white guys. I mean, my, my dad became an older white guy. I mean, you know, I mean, well, he walked the walk big time, so that's different. Hell, I'm married to an older white guy who I adore. I love older white guys, but your reign is over, okay? And now it's time to let those of us who have never been where you've been or seen what you've seen take our place at the table or up on the dais, or at the inauguration. I know you've been praying that we would just go away, but we're not going away, Mitch. We're just not. I'm so sorry. But you know what? I would be happy to help you pack up your box or hold your hand as you walk out the door. I could totally do that. So thank you for your service, Mitch. And all you sons of Mitches. <laughs> but we got it from here. Signed, the four freaking billion women of the world. special guest, Nancy Carlson. Come on up, Nancy. Yeah. 
Nancy is a, a writer and an illustrator of children's books, right? Everybody knows that, yes? And um, amazing. She's written and illustrated over 66 books, yep. right? Okay, yep. right? Now, um, you said that you knew you wanted to make pictures and tell stories uh, since you were in kindergarten. Yep. So what was the, was there a particular children's book that inspired you at that young age? Um, you know, my parents read to me when I was a little girl, which I'm so thankful for, and they brought me to the library. But most of all, it was my sister and I, we would lay in our beds after school, and in my era, we're similar, I yes, think, in sure, our era, of course, sure. there were no sports, there were no, no. after-school activities, so my sister and I would just lay on our twin beds and draw and tell stories to each other. Oh. And mine were always like popular girls that uh, rode horses or whatever, and <laughs> my dream. Yeah. And my sister had her little dreams, and we'd talk, and, and it just, we both wanted to draw and, and uh, tell stories with our art, both wow. of us. Wow, did, did she also? Did yeah, she well, she became a art teacher oh, okay. and librarian. Oh, and so a library, yeah. Double, yeah. yeah. So we both ended up in books in different ways. I'm sure there's a special display in all of her libraries of your books. Yes, don't there you think? is. Oh, just in case, you might want to look at these books. The uh, C. Yes, exactly. So um, you say that a lot of your stories are taken from your own childhood experiences. Yep. Now, your first book that you wrote and illustrated is Harriet's Recital. And Harriet is a ballet dancer, a dog, yep. right, a dog. Golden I, Retriever. Yep, okay, the ballet dancer who was scared to perform her first recital. Is this a true story? Well, okay, yes, it is, Good. but it, I never was in dance because our, we didn't sign up for things like that. It was actually a, um, I had to play the piano in front of some people. And I was terrified and I ran off and I wouldn't play my piece. And so, you know, as I say to people, is the best place to start as a writer is with your own life. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of channeled that nervous feeling trying to play the piano in front of people into a dance recital. Because one thing about picture books that people, I, I don't think a lot of people really understand this, is that action is more important than someone sitting at a, at a piano is not as interesting as somebody moving yes, right. in the that picture. So, yeah, right. so it became a dance recital, but it was channeling my fear of being in front of people, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Okay. So your most recent book is called Sometimes You Barf. <laughs> True story? Well, <laughs> what happened kind there? Of, um, I am one of those, I was one of those people that was terrified of barfing. Okay. I mean, it's one of okay. the top ten phobias. I don't know if you know that, but it is. And, um, well, actually, the whole book came about because I did, I don't know if you know, but I did a doodle a day for ten years. Yes. I, and I posted yes, it on yes. my website. Yes, Thank yes, you. yes, yes, yes. And one of the doodles I posted was, I don't know why I did it, but it was a little girl sitting in the nurse's office with a bucket. And I wrote under it, sometimes you barf, it's okay, you get better. And I thought, oh, you know, it was a popular doodle, but I kind of forgot about it. But I was meeting with my editor, and he had rejected, like, four of my book ideas, 
And then I said, oh, I forgot to bring the best one of all. Darn. It's called Sometimes You Barf. It's okay. You get better. And he goes, that's the book I want. So I went home and I wrote it. <laughs> oh, funny. And, but it was my, I was terrified of barfing, so I put my own feelings in there, and it actually kind of cured me. I'm not that scared about it anymore. Seriously, like, it I, cured you? Okay, guess what I do? Mushroom hunter. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that is makes that you barf? like throwing, you know, yeah. barf? Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I eat mushrooms that I find in the woods, and, and, and sometimes so far, they're... Some, occasionally, yeah, you can barf, but um, because... I'm okay, I'm alive. Because they're not edible? You're well, picking the wrong mushroom? Yeah, Hopefully you got to have your book with you. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, so your optimistic messages obviously permeate your books. So things like you can barf and that's okay, yep. or the no one's perfect, or we all have fears, we all have anxieties, some of us have disabilities. And so it, it, what I love is your books help uh, kids learn how to cope with challenges. So speaking of challenges, you personally faced a tremendous challenge when your husband Barry and your business partner, who was yep. also your business partner, um, you discovered a sort of a crisis when he was in his mid-50s. Can you tell us about that? Well, he got a really strange form of dementia called FTD, frontal temporal dementia, so it affects right here in your brain. And um, it was really slow to figure out. And uh, by the time I f discovered he had it, our finances were ruined. Um, my career was like teetering. I you know, had to find someone else to help me with my book contracts and everything. And um, yeah, it was a really horrible, horrible form of dementia. And he, it was a five-year journey. And the thing that I learned, I guess, out of it is that all of us, every single person in this room has, they can dig deep and there's, you can get out of it. Like I was so unprepared for anything icky. Mm -hmm. Like I never had anything that was negative in my life. And when this happened, I just, I, I, I just, I remember telling, pulling my kids aside and saying, okay, every, you've never experienced icky. This is your turn. Mm -hmm. We're all going through this. We're mm -hmm. going to survive. And we did, you know, and, and it's been a really long and hard journey, but we, we did get through it, and um, I just learned a ton about myself. So let me just ask you about that. So uh, he was your business partner. You were the artist. Yep. So when did you discover that, that there was some, uh, the FTD affects your personality? So it's a t isn't, am I right? That's yeah. the time of well, It's not so much the memory loss, it's more of a personality yeah, change. Yeah, it's not memory at all. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the first signs was um, our car was all beat up. Like, there were constant car accidents. I oh. mean, like, the, the side mirror was hanging off and things were dented. And then another thing um, is people with FTD wear the same outfit and they have rehearsed conversations. So we'd go out with friends who are here tonight, and he'd say the exact same thing oh. over and over again. It'd be like, Barry, you've just told them that. And, um, but the dressing was, I'd be like, you're wearing that shirt again? Yeah. And, um, and also, I guess the, the biggest thing that happened was I was opened up my email one day, and I had a joint letter from three families that said, um, you owe us a lot of money. And I oh. had no idea. Oh, I had wow. no idea. And I just remember 
just melting. You know, like how how am I going to do this? How am I going to figure this out? But um, but you so didn't far, know you did at that time when all that was happening. No idea. You had no idea. This, he was undiagnosed at this well, point. Well, who's ever anybody yeah. heard of FTD in this group? I mean, actually, well, I, actually, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a really weird uh, yeah. form of dementia. I thought it was depression or maybe. Yeah, I don't know. So when did you finally realize that this is something that was so amiss that you got a diagnosis? Well, it was thanks to a, uh, a good friend of mine took me out to dinner, and no one had ever said anything to me about his odd behavior, but people were seeing it. And this particular person took me out to dinner, and he just sat me down, and he said, you know Barry's fucked up, right? Oh, can I say that? It's podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Hey, welcome to podcast land. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can take that out if you want. No, but, no, no, um, no. So he, I, I was like, what? And he, and he went on to say all this behavior he had noticed. And um, Was I, he familiar with FTD, this he, Yeah, No, not at all. No, he just, he no, was like, he something just, is really he wrong. He worked with Barry yeah, on yeah, a yeah. lot of stuff. So, and then my, lo um, I was going to a divorce, Barry. I was so irritated with him. And my lawyer said, before you divorce him, why don't you bring him to a neurology clinic? Oh, wow. And that was the second really great piece of advice. And I brought him. And it, it was, you know, like three weeks or something of going and being tested. And they knew right away that's what it was. Wow. So, so during this time, you are doing, you, you're still working, you're still creating books, you're still, yeah. you're still, were you doing the doodle a day at that point? Yeah, I, um, that was the greatest piece of advice Barry gave me, actually, before he got too sick with it. He said, you're drawing every night, why don't you post it, it's going to sell books. Yeah. Because it's going to remind people that you're out there, and, and so, with his help, I be, started posting it, um, with huge amounts of followers. Yeah, I mean, Very it popular. grew. It was really small. I just had some well, loyal fans in the initially, beginning. Yeah. But yeah, then it grew. And I mean, it's not gigantic, but it was a good amount of people that were waiting for it. It was great advice. That was his idea, not mine. So what's interesting to me is, is um, your doodles would sometimes reflect what was going on with him. Well, exactly, you know, like in the beginning, before he was diagnosed, I would draw him sleeping in a chair and I'd say dozing again. One of the things about FTD is they just doze off anywhere. And I'd draw him and I'd say he's dozing again, another fun Friday night, you know, really negative and really being bitchy about it. And my kids, Well, you didn't know, you didn't know. I didn't know, yeah, right. but my son, Michael, took me aside and said, I, I wish you wouldn't post those things about dad. Mm. And I, I mean, I was like, thank you. I am becoming the crabbiest person on the planet. And I was glad that he had the guts to point that out to me at the time. So, but it's fascinating to me because I saw some of those. It's like your dogs and your bears and your, and your, you know, all this, you're sort of, you're geared for children, these illustrations. And then you've got the man who's getting very thin and the birds flying, you know, I mean, th those images that you're using those same, your same gifts to express what your, your frustration, I'm assuming, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Right, but. well, I mean, 
what does an artist or a writer do when they're confronted with this? You just, I, I just drew about it. That's yeah. the only thing I know how to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to a support group and I could barely speak. I'm Swedish. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hug. I don't need all that. But the fact that I could actually draw it and people could see it and relate to it just because of the visual image. I mean, that's what I'm trained to do. That's my job. Yeah. Like, you know, you're an actress. You can just do all your voices I while I whatever. just draw. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was a great outlet, and it was also a great way to communicate with people. Right. They, they got it. Yeah, they totally got it. And then there was a special doodle that you did. Well, he, had, he declined. Mm-hmm. So there was yep. a time when I mean you filed for had to file for bankruptcy, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a there was a slow decline where he ended up in a home in a facility. Yeah. Three years in a yeah. nurse care center. Care center. I keep <laughs> having to learn to say the right terms, but yeah, it was a um, care center. Yeah, community. And so and then he was still in his early sixties when he died, wasn't he? He was sixty-seven. That's early enough. Yeah, that's early. That's early enough. <laughs> but. You did a special doodle to let everybody know that he had passed away. Can you tell us about that? I just drew trees with birds off, go, flying off into the um, sky. And I didn't even, I, I, I just, that's all I posted. And everybody knew, you know. Oh, everybody it was, knew, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty great that um, that communicated. Every, that's all you had, I need to say. Yeah. You told me that right now you're working on or you're actually trying to, to submit it to publishers, a graphic memoir. Yep. Which fascinates me. Um, but you said specifically the memoir starts in the last years of your marriage. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Well, well I'd love to hear so, more about that. so the memoir, I. Has anybody tried to get a book published lately? <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's a graphic novel, but originally, I, this is the fifth version. So the four, fifth rewrite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So three prior versions were not a graphic novel. So my agent said, you know, you tell stories with pictures. Why don't you try it with pictures? And I was so relieved. I was like, yes, that's what I do. Good, I get to draw all day. But you know what I discovered is drawing it was more painful than writing it. Uh-huh. I could not, I mean, it was just like, okay, draw a panel, go have a donut. Draw <laughs> a panel. Is it beer we'll time? It. Does beer time start at three? Yes, it does. Yes, it does somewhere. <laughs> um, so it, it just, it was really hard. And um, I got it done, and she had it, um, and it she sent it to 10 publishers. Unfortunately, all have rejected it. And I'm, ooh, I'm back to, to rewriting it. The problem is I reread it this summer, and it's really, it's a poor me book. It has to change from poor me to, God damn it, I made it book. Yes, 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 yes. So, yes. Um, but, but you have to give yourself permission to be, as you said, you were pissed. I mean, and there was all that, con- I'm sure that you, you were just explaining to us all that confusion yeah. where you're like, what's, the, what's wrong with you? And then you find out, oh, he has a thing that I didn't know about, that no one knew about. So it's okay. I'm here. This is a counseling session now. <laughs> I, don't, isn't it, I, mean, yeah, I don't know. Isn't it okay? You have to go through that 
on that journey before you get to the, you know, I, you know, I right. triumphed. Well, you spit out everything you possibly can remember and all your feelings about it. And then now I'm in the version where I'm taking out, I mean, all the poor me and turning it a little bit more positive. Like how, um, rather than I sat in my apartment, you know, weeping with my little fish that I had bought back then, he just sat on my bed. And now I'm like, okay, I was out hiking, and I, I learned this, and I met all these wonderful people, and my life is so full now than I ever imagined um, it would ever become. Wow. So that's what the book should be about, more of the coming out the other side, because I think everybody, everybody's going to have something, and... Um, if you can learn to stay strong and come out the other side, it's, it's, it's good. Well, life is good. Life is good. Life is good. So you were writing the memoir not as a graphic memoir first. Yeah, it was just, yeah, chronological. Okay, from, so that, you're saying that was almost easier for you. Yeah, that was, I could remove myself. I yeah. was, I, then when I turned around and had to draw him and draw me, and I realized every single picture I'm yelling. I'm like, I'm, you know, with my hair flying, and I'm like, you idiot. And it just was so painful to see myself that way. Yeah. And, um, and I'm drawing my own self, just screaming all the time. So, um, yeah, it, it's this second pass, I think, is going to be but, easier. I but hope. was that cathartic, though? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It really was. So that yeah. would allow that version would allow you to go to the next to do this new version where I'm much more at peace and um, I just I feel like I want people who are going through anything not just FTD it doesn't have to be FTD cancer whatever just to know that you know like your life what you thought it was going to be isn't what it is but it's okay you know embrace it because it's um, I love my life right now, and would I have loved my life if Barry was still around? I would have. I mean, it yes. would have been. I would have yeah. loved both. You told me about a project that you're trying to pitch. You're talking about a book that would help kids cope with visiting ill family members in hospitals, nursing homes, people yeah. with, with dementia. And that sounds really powerful. Tell me about that book that you're trying to pitch. Yeah, well, I've been trying to pitch it for a long time. It's called Brave Charlotte. My granddaughter would go visit Barry. She didn't know him any other way. And she'd go, are we visiting the grandpa in the bed or the grandpa that's not in bed? And I'd say, it's the grandpa in the bed. And she would give him water. She'd hug him. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of scary people as you walk up to his room. I mean, there is a lady that would roll out in her wheelchair and she'd, come here, come here, girls, come here. And the girls were scared at first, but then they realized after coming to her, she just wanted to hug. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought, Charlotte's so brave to go there. And I, I hope someone will buy it. I'm trying to pitch it to the Alzheimer's Foundation, but, or Association. And I'm thinking that, um, you know, that's, what I lived with these little girls, and, and they did a great job. They loved, they loved visiting him, and I can tell you, he couldn't talk, he couldn't show hardly any emotion, but when they came, tears rolled down his eyes. Yeah. And so 
you know, you think... He knew, he knew. People that are chicken to go visit someone who might be really uncomfortable to look at, they may not be able to speak, but they know you're there. Yeah. They do. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really important. No, very important, because I just think as far as, like, using all your gifts... To, you know, working with children, and then, then your recent experience in, in these last few years, and putting that together, that what a great gift. I, will, I would buy the book when you buy the book. Yeah, I'd buy the book. Of course. Thanks. Of course. Keep on doing what you're Thank doing. You. Thank you very much for Thanks coming for today. Me, Sue. And posters. Really appreciate it. We got posters. posters. Don't forget the posters. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. So, that's our show. I want to thing our fabulous cast. Jason Yang, Nancy Backshaw Reasoner, Shannon Custer, Sylvia Pontaza, Mo Perry, and Zippy Lasky, our beautiful singer-songwriter. And tonight's episode was written by the entire cast. And thank you to our lovely engineers and male allies, Barry Medor and Tony Axtell. And thank you to our wonderful volunteers, Suzanne Egley and Carolyn Denton. And thank you to Lynn Gordon and the incredible staff here at the North Social Hall. I also want to thank our sponsor, Flip'em the Bird. When you don't have the words, let your gloves say it for you. You can shop their fingerless gloves, tops, and hats and learn more about their giving back program, Swearing is Caring, at their website, flip'emthebird.com. We will be back next month here with another live taping of Island of Discarded Women. Thank you, everybody. Barcelona. Leaving you, darling, for somebody new. Been a long time coming. I'm sorry to tell you that it's too bad. So sad, baby. What's a girl left to do? By the way, it's not me, it's you.